Sandra, if your married boyfriend, who also happens to be the chief of the FBI's New York Counterintelligence Division, was meeting Russians and discreetly getting manila envelopes and bags of cash were laying around his house, what would you think? Well, first off, I wouldn't have a married boyfriend, but assuming I did, I mean, you know me, I'm suspicious, my dubimeter alarms would start going off for sure, but that's the thing, McGonigal was really good at deception. I mean, he was trained to be. And when you're in love, your brain does not work properly anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I agree, hence the saying, love is blind. And stupid, yes. Hey, Doobie friends. Welcome to Dubious. Hey, Sandra, how are you today? I'm excited about this episode, Neil. I mean, it's bad that we have a top FBI guy who may or may not committed espionage for Russia. That remains to be decided by the courts. It doesn't look great for him, though. So this is not good for us, for our international standing in counterintelligence circles. But on the other hand, this story is crazy. It's one of the craziest stories I've read about since Aldrich Ames and Robert Hansen, the two famous, well, infamous spies who worked for the CIA and FBI respectively and got caught in 94 and 2001 for espionage, and they were double agents and spying for Russia. Yeah, this McGonagall case is one of the biggest we've had in decades in this context of spying and intelligence agencies and cloak and dagger type stuff. Uh, I'm intrigued too, I must admit. I'm surprised this story wasn't much bigger in the news, actually. I mean, it was talked about, but it wasn't a massive thing as it should have been. Yeah, we have a top counterintelligence FBI agent with an extramarital affair and a jealous mistress. And we have the wife. We have secret meetings and these like secret envelopes being passed around with illicit bags of cash. We have a Russian oligarch with very close ties to Putin. A former Albanian spy. Uh, We have a fire. Even have Rudy Giuliani, not surprisingly, (laughs) uh, allegedly trying to help the FBI agent's mistress. It's crazy. It is. So who exactly is Charles McGonigal? This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know what I always say, right? You can ignore your trauma and hope it disappears, but the only way forward is to deal with it. Life keeps throwing curveballs at all of us. Fireballs, speedballs, too many balls. (laughs) And when you're overwhelmed, you're not at your best and it affects your interactions with the people you care about. So how do you deal with it all? Call your therapist like I do. Yes, Doobie friends, I'm a BetterHelp happy customer. I've been using their services since way before we even started this podcast. I can attest to the fact that Sandra is, uh, shall we say, a much lovelier person to be around. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Also, my therapist will love hearing that. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, it's affordable, it's flexible, and most importantly, it's entirely online. And you'll get 10% off of your first month if you sign up at betterhelp.com dubious, or just click that link in the episode notes. Yes, and then you can talk to your therapist whenever and however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. So do yourself a favor, take care of your mental health, because when you feel empowered, you are prepared to take on everything life throws at you. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash dubious to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dubious. McGonagall was not an ordinary FBI agent. He led the WikiLeaks investigation into Chelsea Manning, as well as a search for a Chinese mole inside the CIA. While working at FBI headquarters in D.C., he played a role in opening the investigation into the Trump campaign's Russia contacts that was later called Operation Crossfire Hurricane. Though he was not assigned to that operation when he moved to New York, running FBI counterintelligence in New York, it's a huge, huge, like Trump would say, it's a huge, huge. huge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a very special, highly sensitive position that allows pretty much unfettered access to a vast array of international elites and all kinds of highly sought-after information. As one senior law enforcement agent said, uh, New York City is a global center for espionage and counter-espionage. You have visits from foreign business elites and politicians. You have the United Nations. You have ethnic populations. Who runs the pitches to recruit spies from all those other countries? The FBI. So the access you get in that job is extraordinary. It's almost bottomless. So if you're running FBI counterintelligence in New York, you can get your hands on almost anything you want, and you don't always have to make excuses for why you're asking for it. Now, since 2016, McGonigal was in charge of some of the agency's most secret and sensitive counterintelligence operations, and he was accused in January 2023 of taking money from a former Albanian intelligence officer and also from another person, a guy who works for Oleg Deripaska. Oleg Deripaska is a Russian oligarch. He got filthy rich after the fall of the Soviet Union during the privatization process which we described in a previous episode about Putin. I mean, we've got so many Putin episodes, really, so... Yes, yes, guys. <laughs> if you're as obsessed with Putin as we are, uh, you'll love the one about his uh, real biological mother. We have another episode about his private life, one about his crazy rich lifestyle. We have a two-part series about his rise to power and the bodies he stepped on to get there. I mean, there's that episode on his declining health. Yeah, it's a lot of Putin. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of Putin. Anyway... Back to our boy Deripaska. He's the founder of Basic Element, a Russian industrial group with interests in aluminum, energy, construction, agriculture, and that sort of thing. And he's said to be a very close ally of Putin, part of his inner circle. Charles McGonigal was charged in two separate indictments, unsealed in New York and Washington, D.C., after an investigation by his own agency and federal prosecutors. In the New York case, he was charged with violating economic sanctions that the United States has imposed on Russia because of its aggression in Ukraine, and McGonigal had been the special agent in charge of the FBI's counterintelligence division in New York before he retired in 2018, and in that position, he supervised investigations of Russian oligarchs, including Oleg Deripaska, the guy he's been helping after his retirement. So we got a pretty obvious conflict of interest right off the top. And in addition to that, McGonagall broke the law by agreeing to help Deripaska investigate a rival oligarch and try to get him off the sanction list. Deripaska was indicted himself in 2022 on sanctions charges. The McGonagall situation shows that the reach of Russians oligarchs can extend well into the heart of American law enforcement. Jonathan C. Pauling, a former prosecutor in the Justice Department's National Security Division, told the New York Times, quote, 
This is an unprecedented case which, rightly or wrongly, will fuel political criticism and concern about the FBI. The charges demonstrate that the DOJ clearly intends to send a strong message, including to former officials that work in national security fields. I mean, I would hope so. (laughs) The indictment unsealed in Washington charged that McGonagall, while working for the Bureau, took around $225,000 in secret cash payments from a person who had served as an Albanian intelligence officer. McGonagall concealed that relationship from the FBI. I mean... That's not even a big amount of money. That's what gets me here. If you're going to decide to risk your life mm-hmm. um, and wind up in prison forever, maybe, I mean, I'm going to need a house in the Hamptons, you know, a boat, a plane, <laughs> you know. Some, some accounts in the Cayman Islands, you know, like you can't even buy a nice house in the North Dallas suburbs here where I live for 225 grand. You're going to be living in a condo. Exactly. It's like really pocket money, to be honest, for the oligarchs. Not even that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I was thinking the same thing, but, you know, my suspicion is that maybe McGonigal got much more for his quote-unquote services. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) And more details and more illegal money will come to light during the trial. And, you know, the charges might change or evolve, too, because so far espionage is not really, I don't know, among the charges officially. Again, I'm assuming because that's harder to prove and they don't have all the pieces yet. Either way, McGonigal pled not guilty to all charges. Probably, yeah, because risking your freedom and your career for 225 grand, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Especially since McGonagall was a top FBI official. So he wasn't starving. He's a (laughs) six-digit employee comfortably anyway. And, uh, you know, all that stuff that goes along with being management in the FBI. Right. I mean, look, this will be sexist, but it seems that it's always guys who get sucked into this kind of treasonous activity. I mean, I'm telling you, I wouldn't do spying for $10 million a month. It's one, too stressful. And secondly, you get caught. You always get caught. Sooner or later, you do. It's just stupid. So the federal district court in Manhattan charges McGonagall with one count of violating U.S. sanctions, one count of money laundering, and two conspiracy counts for what it said were attempts to aid Deripaska. Just a reminder that Deripaska was a client of Paul Manafort, who in 2016 served as uh, Donald Trump's campaign chairman and in 2018 was convicted of financial fraud and other crimes. Uh, The indictment in Manhattan also charged a second man Sergei Shostakov, a former Soviet and Russian diplomat who became an American citizen. Shostakov later worked as an interpreter, a translator for the federal courts and um, the U.S. attorney's offices for the southern and eastern districts of New York. McGonigal was arrested in January 2023, about 2 p.m. in the afternoon at the Kennedy International Airport. I think he was coming from Sri Lanka summer. And Shostakov was arrested about the same time at his home here in the United States. The indictment says that while McGonagall was still working for the Bureau in 2018, Shostakov introduced him via email to an employee of Deripaska. The indictment identifies the employee only as Agent 1 and describes him as a former Soviet and Russian Federation diplomat. So, a spy. You know, everybody knows there are legal spies, diplomats in other words, and then the sleeper agents, the one who have no immunity and kind of hang out in the shadows, the illegals. 
So Shostakov asked McGonagall to help Agent One's daughter obtain an internship with the New York Police Department in counterterrorism, intelligence gathering, or international liaisoning, according to the indictment. McGonagall agreed, and he sought help from someone he knew in the department, telling his contact, I have an interest in her father for a number of reasons. McGonagall also told an FBI subordinate at the time that he wanted to recruit Agent One, whom he described as a Russian intelligence officer, according to the indictment again. Now, I mean, this could be true. I mean, partly this was his job, so I kind of get that you wanna, you have to work these agents, but Agent Swan's daughter received VIP treatment from the NYPD, according to the indictment, and the police sergeant assigned to brief the daughter later reported the event to the department and the bureau after Agent Wan's daughter claimed to have an unusually close relationship to an FBI agent who had given her access to confidential FBI files, and it was unusual for a college student to receive such special treatment from the NYPD and the FBI. Yeah, that's why he's the perfect guy from the Russian's point of view. He had legitimate reasons to ask for somebody to get an internship. He could say, I have interest in this oligarch and it seems okay. And look, just one year after his retirement in 2019, McGonagall and Shostakov introduced Agent One to a law firm in New York. Agent One wanted to hire the firm to work to lift the sanctions on Deripaska. So Deripaska personally signed an engagement letter with that firm under which he would pay $175,000 per month with $25,000 earmarked for certain other professionals. So the firm retained McGonagall as a consultant and investigator, and he asked that it compensate him by sending the spare 25000 to a corporation Shostakov owned. This is where my dubimeter alarms go off. I mean, why send the money to some other guy's corporation if your work is legit and not breaking any, you know, any laws? Right. So McGonagall knew exactly what he was doing and that it was illegal. In 2021, Agent One began negotiating with McGonagall and Shostakov to work directly for Deripaska on a matter that would not be legal under his sanctions. The project was to investigate a rival, identified in the indictment only as Oligarch II, over such issues as his interest in a Russian corporation that the Oligarch and Deripaska were fighting to control, and over hidden assets Oligarch II might have outside of Russia. In electronic messages among themselves, which again, I think it's so, so stupid, I mean, to put everything in writing, you know, like for somebody with this training as an FBI agent, you know, to put stuff in emails. How many corporate officers wind up in jail over something stupid they send in an email? You know, but this is the thing. That's what I guess is like the audacity because you get used to having that very top position. You get used to being trusted by everybody. And, you know, like you have that reach, you have that power. So... I guess you start making mistakes. Ask Bill Gates. Rule number one, do not put that in an email and do not hang out with Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) (laughs) So according to these indictments, in these emails, McGonigal and Shostakov did not refer to Deripaska by name, but rather as you-know-whom, the client, and the big guy. (laughs) 
Neil, please tell the people what's our ace in the sleeve for making this podcast. Simple. Anchor by Spotify. Yes, Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast even for the least technical people like me. Anchor has all the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Yes, guys, from your phone. You can be on the couch cuddling with your pets and working on your podcast at the same time. Incredibly easy. Plus, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Yes, Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We forgot to mention that McGonagall was also charged with one count of concealing material facts, six counts of making false statements, and two counts of falsification of records and documents. But, as we did say, there will be, as time passes... More charges added in all likelihood. McGonagall's problems began in late 2018 after his wife found out about his girlfriend, Alison Guerriero, who did not know that he was still married. Uh, This is what she said. I was shocked. I was very much in love with him and I was so hurt. So that's what she told Business Insider. So his girlfriend slash mistress... Allison didn't know initially that he was married. Right. McGonagall kind of lied to her. It's 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 very murky. So according to Insider, he had two high school age children and a wife or an ex-wife, as he sometimes referred to her, back at home in Chevy Chase, Maryland. And he would return there once or twice a month. But McGonagall apparently also led Guerrero to believe that he was either divorced or soon would be. It's murky. We don't know exactly. I mean, look, it's fair to say that at some point, Alison Guerrero knew and she still continued the relationship for a short while. So Allison was 44 when they met, a former substitute kindergarten teacher who volunteered for law enforcement causes and was working as a contractor for a security company while living at home with her father. McGonagall, who was then 49, had just started his new job at the FBI's New York office. And according to Insider, uh, Guerriero says that their affair lasted for a little more than a year. McGonagall's Brooklyn sublet was modest, but, you know, apparently he lived large. Uh, He courted Guerriero at high-end restaurants, and he would give her gifts of, like, cash, $500 or $1,000 for her birthday and for Christmas. I mean, honestly, that doesn't seem like a lot of, like, such a major gift, but I guess... I don't know, maybe for state employees? I I don't know. Is it a lot, $1,000? Eh, yeah, I mean... I mean, maybe when you have a wife and two children in school, I guess, yeah. I mean, she's a public school teacher and she's living at home with her dad, so, you know. Yeah, and he even joked once about framing his divorce papers for her as a Christmas gift, but obviously that never happened. And then he took her to watch the New Jersey Devils hockey games in private boxes and stuff like that. And she recalls that McGonagall once gave a $100 bill to a panhandler on the street. And he told her, I'm a little better off than him. I can spare $100. And she remembers being kind of shocked, you know, by this. It seems like in this case, this was McGonagall's downfall. This grandiose lifestyle and his, you know, extramarital affair... This is where he f***ed up. (laughs) Yes, especially since he was super careless. And he took his mistress, his girlfriend, at meetings with Sergei Shostakov. And she witnessed Shostakov handing him Manila envelopes. And she noticed that Shostakov was the only one picking up the bill at all these expensive restaurants they were frequenting. 
I mean, it's just so stupid. McGonagall wasn't thinking with the right head, that's for sure. It's <laughs> it's the same thing Aldrich Ames did with his wife Rosario, because she liked luxury, so he started spying to impress her and keep her from leaving him and bought her presents and stuff. This seems so so similar. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I figured was going to be the case when you told me about this story before I heard about it. There's an episode uh, Allison mentions from October 2017. She noticed something unusual on the floor of uh, her boyfriend's Brooklyn apartment, a bag full of cash. It was just sitting there by his shoes and, you know, it was a paper bag, the kind you get at the liquor store. And there were bundles of bills inside of it, you know, all big denominations. We're talking like 50s and 100s wrapped up in rubber bands like a mafia guy or something. And she asked him, what is this and why he has all this cash? And he says, oh, well, you remember that baseball game? I made a bet and won. Look. I mean, <laughs> maybe he's hanging around with Brett Kavanaugh. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't mean to point fingers, but and also I, I just don't like to accuse Allison, but if that's not enough of a red flag. I don't know what is. I mean, on top of the meetings with Shostakov where she saw her boyfriend getting manila envelopes. I mean, I understand that he's FBI and, you know, they do all kinds of undercover, you know, stuff. But, I mean, bags of money on the floor? I don't know. On the other hand, he fooled so many officials and he was trained to deceive and, you know, be a good liar. So we can't really blame her entirely. All that money could have been buy money for a sting or payoff for one of McGonagall's informants or something. Allison had dated federal law enforcement officials before, so she knew not to ask too many questions. Well, I do have a question, though. <laughs> well, that's our job. We always got questions. <laughs> yes. Isn't it time we told our listeners about the ad-free option? Yeah, our listeners can get all of our episodes ad-free if they become patrons on DubiousPod.com. Dubious friends, if you want to support us and enable us to bring new content every week, please become a patron on DubiousPod.com or by clicking the Become a Patron link in the episode notes right here in the app you're listening to us in. It's cheaper than a fancy coffee and you get all our content ad-free. But not drama-free. No. <laughs> now, back to Alison Guerrero. Uh, this is what she said in an interview. Charlie McGonigal knew everybody in the national security and law enforcement world. He fooled them all. So why should I feel bad that he was able to deceive me? I mean, look, she's not wrong. Also, let's not forget that he initially lied to her that he's single or soon to be divorced anyway. So he got her to fall for him. And then it was too late for her to be objective about all of this because, you know, when you're in love again. Yeah. And by the way, she also mentions that at some point the FBI had just ordered its staff to like delete WhatsApp from all their devices. And McGonigal was kind of freaking out. And, you know, he immediately bought a new iPhone and I know why they did that. You remember what happened at the same time? No, not really. <laughs> that was the same time that our boy, Mohammed bin Salman, managed to hack Jeff Bezos' oh, yes, phone yes, yes, by yes, just yes. Like, sending him a WhatsApp message yes. and like an idiot, Bezos clicked it. Yes, 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 you're right, you're right. Yeah, it, it fits, yes. But the thing is, see, again there, that's the thing, they were 
friendly. So you, you know, like you're supposed to know this stuff. Maybe not me or like a regular person, but Bezos. And more importantly, yeah. you say Amazon can do whatever, but the FBI should absolutely be auditing their yeah. employees' phones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The thing is, as we said, McGonagall immediately got the new iPhone, but he never used it to communicate with Allison. But he was on there a lot on WhatsApp. So that's what happened. And those two phones, his work phone and the phone he used only for WhatsApp, he took those two phones with him everywhere. And Allison told Insider that she would sometimes tease him about it, like, what are you a drug dealer now with a burner phone? But she never really found out. She never saw who he was messaging. According to Insider, who did some of the best work on this case. Yes, a lot of the details we're discussing here come from uh, Matatias Schwartz. Yeah, so from his investigative reporting, we found out that Allison recalls McGonagall using the FBI's resources for their relationship. Once, they had sex in an SUV that was federal government property. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think that's the list of our worries. Come on, let's be honest. If I hold anything against him, it's not going to be the SUV you know, sex episode. I don't know. I've seen those SUVs before. So when I was dating my currently ex-wife, uh, I was driving back and forth before moving from Little Rock to Dallas. And so the fighter jets um, that get put together in Fort Worth get some sort of missile thing in Arkansas at the Air Force Base there. And then they put them on a truck and they drive them to Dallas at like three in the morning. So I'll be driving to Dallas at three in the morning and just me on the freeway. And all of a sudden coming up behind you, it's very high speed and very secretive. And they're like flashing lights at you to get over. And when you get over two black SUVs in the front, two black SUVs in the back and three fighter jets in the middle on like transport trucks. And I don't know what kind of guys are in those black SUVs, but the windows are definitely not see-through. So yeah, you can f*** in that SUV, but I don't think you want to meet those guys in that SUV like three in the morning on the highway. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not the look. The whole SUV thing to me, as I said, like that's the list of my complaints, right? Yeah. So that's not really what's upsetting about all of this. After she was found to have breast cancer, McGonagall would occasionally send a junior agent in an FBI sedan to give Allison rides from New Jersey to her cousin's apartment in New York. Despite the ongoing deception about his marital status, McGonagall was caring, loving, and concerned to her during this period of her illness. Okay, well, at least he wasn't a complete d I guess. <laughs> Yeah, right? In late 2018, McGonagall and Guerrero broke up. She remembers receiving an anonymous and hostile note in the mail. Soon after, McGonagall told her he was still married and had no plans to divorce his wife. I was shocked, she said. I was very much in love with him and I was so hurt. So she started drinking heavily to cope and a few months afterwards, she dashed off uh, an angry email to William Sweeney, who oversaw the FBI's New York City Bureau and who had first introduced her to McGonagall. And she remembers telling McGonagall's boss, basically, in that email that he should look into their extramarital affair and also McGonagall's dealings in Albania, because McGonagall had already befriended Albania's prime minister and traveled to the country extensively. So Alison told Insider that she had then deleted the email, which, you know, I tend to believe it. 
I don't know what McGonagall was thinking, but I guess it's one of those uh, midlife crisis things, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can't really explain it otherwise because he did a lot of mistakes. I mean, which is good because he got caught. But on the other hand, like, it seems inexplicable. Uh, Allison knew so much. And despite the fact that she says now she believed all the money was from bets and legit sources. Man, let's say I still don't think that is true, but she was in love. So on the other hand, he should have known better. That's not how you cut ties with someone who knows you're dirty. You don't just send a text or a note, right? Because a woman scorned. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the trap is if you're going to do that stuff for money, then you're going to have expenses for the money. Money spends easy, folks. <laughs> but that's not even so? about it. Like, I, I think that's not even the thing. The thing is, like, when you date somebody who knows so much and saw you taking money, like... That's what I'm saying. You're going to have to give her... You're going to have to give her some of the money to keep her quiet. Otherwise, she's going to be mad. That's it. It's like, you don't get to keep the money. See, the money... that's what, something a guy would say. That was, yes. that, but see, that's my whole point. That would be wrong too. That would piss her off even more. The fact that he sent her like a very, instead of breaking up with her face to face and, you know, like, you know, try to be a gentleman about it, he sent her a little note or text message. And that's what caused her to write to his boss. The fact that he dismissed her like that. The email she wrote to McGonagall's boss was his undoing. By November 2021, the FBI was looking into him. Two agents showed up at Allison's door, she said, showed her a picture of McGonagall with the Albanian prime minister and interviewed her about their interactions. She also received a grand jury subpoena requesting all of her communications with McGonagall, as well as information about any payments or gifts he may have given her. And the only reason she's not indicted, too, probably, is because of her cooperation. Otherwise, I mean, let's be honest, she must have known that you know, bags of money, they don't come from sports bets, even if you are ripping off Brett Kavanaugh. So <laughs> you're not going to make that kind of money on uh, like a baseball game bet. Yes. Uh, and look, I generally tend to take uh, the woman's side, but Alison Guerrero is not the saint either. Like I said, she herself admitted to Insider that the combination of her alcohol abuse and her health problems led to some extreme behavior, including her sending hostile emails to McGonigal's family the contents of which she says she cannot recall, but she does say she went completely overboard and she harassed them and that she was horrible to them. And by her own account, Guerrero contacted one of McGonigal's children despite being prohibited from doing so by a court order. So can you imagine they had to actually take out a court order against her? And because of that, she spent a night in a New Jersey jail. And the court order stemmed from a 2019 police report that McGonigal's wife, Pamela, filed with the Montgomery County Police Department in Maryland. And the report states that McGonigal and Guerrero had a relationship and that Guerrero had repeatedly harassed her with unwelcome emails and phone calls, including 20 calls in one day, despite her asking Allison to stop, right? So, I mean... She was a bit unhinged as well, to say the least. Yes. Allison did confirm that her contact with McGonigal family led to a separate restraining order issued in New Jersey. I mean, I mean, nobody's completely innocent in this story. That's the uh, point we're getting at, I suppose, mm -hmm. except for probably the wife and kids. Yes. And look, Allison, as I said earlier, she's not 
perfect. Her problems worsened, actually, in early 2021 when she was badly burned during a fire at her father's house. And she asked friends for help through a GoFundMe. And former Mayor Rudy Giuliani of New York City, whom she knew from law enforcement circles that they were both frequenting, let her stay in a guest bedroom at his house. And since then, Allison has become a usual on-air caller for Giuliani's radio shows. And she thinks that the 2020 election was marred by widespread voter fraud, obviously a belief pushed by Giuliani that has been debunked a hundred billion times. And this is what she says. Whatever Giuliani says about the 2020 election is what I believe. So (laughs) (laughs) I got a big picture of Rudy Giuliani just sweating some of that hair dye off of his head. Okay, like, no. Every time she calls, he's got a little black streak Mm. coming down his face. Okay, let's just move on because that's just disturbing. I I can never unsee that. I wish I never saw that press conference. (laughs) That was so bad. Anyways. That's the thing. So we got Manafort, Giuliani, and uh, Allison here. It's exactly the same circle of people where... uh, You don't want to be in those circles, is what I'm saying. Like, it it just doesn't seem like a place you want to hang out, like, to meet these people. But during her relationship with McGonigal, she said that uh, they never talked about politics, and she thinks about McGonigal that he's apolitical. I mean... (laughs) Maybe, but, you know, it's like he did all this for money, not for politics, as far as we know, uh, and not even a lot of money. That's the sad part. Mm -hmm. But that can also mean it was ideological as well. Yeah, that's the thing. We don't know for sure. It could be a combination of a lot of factors. But if money would have been his only motive, at least ask for lots of it, especially since you're like this big player. I mean, FBI's top guy in counterintelligence in New York. I mean, that's massive. Ask for a lot of money. Don't sell yourself like a like a cheap... Did nobody tell them that these Russian guys have billions of exactly. dollars? Exactly. I know? mean, we're talking endless resources. So what do we think? Was he a double agent? It's hard to believe he wasn't. What's your dubimeter for this episode? One to ten. Well, we've got an FBI, well, spy, I guess, a mistress. Then we've got the oligarch. Then we have the Albanian intelligence officer, the bags of cash, Manila envelopes, luxury, the scandal of it all, the connections with Manafort and Giuliani, the fire, the breakup, the wife. I mean, the restraining orders. I don't know. It's crazy. My dubimeter is 200, 200. That's it. (laughs) It's got to be a movie. It's got to be a good movie. So. I mean, it's a lot like the uh, the Johnny Depp movie where he was in the mob. You remember that? It was like, uh, was it Donnie Brasco? Yes. Yes. Well, we are at Dubious Pod on all social media, guys. If you care to leave us a review uh, in Apple, please do. Sandra checks those every single day. I love them, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's it. That's all we have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Love you, Dubious friends. See you guys next time. <laughs>